As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 218. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. As always, so happy you're tuning into Dose of Leadership. This is the show where we talk about leadership. We bring people on the show to highlight and talk about their leadership journey, their struggles, their triumphs. Overcoming adversity, how they applied it towards our success, because the reality is every single one of us listening to this show, somebody is looking to us for influence and guidance, so therefore it is that important for us to become connoisseurs of leadership. It applies to everything. Look, every aspect of our life is touched by leadership. All of us have an opportunity, dare I even say an obligation, to learn how to become better leaders. And yeah, some of us are more gifted than others in leadership, but that's not what it's about. It's not about charisma, it's about learning how to be calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in every aspect of your life. The reality is leadership is grimy, it's dirty, it's messy because it deals with people. It's easy to understand, difficult to apply because of the authenticity, the vulnerability, and the courage that's required to be a decent leader. So that's what this show is here for, to help you in that journey And it certainly helps me when I talk to all these great people on this show. If you're finding some value in this show, leave a rating and review. Let me know what you think about Dose of Leadership. I love hearing from you. I appreciate all the support, all the great reviews that are coming on the line. I love the emails and the conversations that I have with some of the fans out there. Special call out to uh, Jeff Hash, who supported me on Recurrency and supporting the show. And we had just a fantastic conversation. A lawyer out there in California trying to live a life of significance and he understands that leadership is about intentionality. That's how you're going to get there. So Jeff, thank you for your support and thanks for being a fan of the show. If you like what you hear in A Dose of Leadership, tell you what, subscribe, rate and review it. Put it on your mobile device, the podcast app, the Stitcher app, if you get an Android device and leave a rating and review. It does so much for the visibility of the show and uh, I would really appreciate your support. Again, thanks for tuning in to the show. Today I got a great guest, Larry Broughton. I've been wanting to talk to him for a long time. We finally got together. Very busy man. He's an award-winning entrepreneur and CEO, a best-selling author, a keynote speaker, an entrepreneur, has a hotel business, 
He spent eight years traveling the world with the U.S. Army's elite special forces back in the day with the Green Berets. He attained the rank of staff sergeant, and he parlayed that experience serving on special forces A teams to the business arena. And I talk about this a lot on the show because I can tell you any modicum of success I've had in the business arena, I can attribute to that military experience. And he has had the same experience. He's the founder and CEO of Broughton Hotels, a leader in the boutique hotel industry. He's a co-founder, CEO of Broughton Advisory, a strategic vision, elite team building, and transformational leadership organization. I mean, he's had clients from startups to Turner Broadcasting, the Pentagon. He's received numerous awards, including Ernst & Young's prestigious Entrepreneur of the Year, um, Paskey Foundation's Business Leader of Integrity, and Entrepreneur Magazine included his hotel chain, Broughton Hotels, in their Hot 500 list. It was a, such a fun conversation. You know, I, we talked a couple times on the phone prior to this interview, and I just knew this was going to be a conversation chock full of leadership nuggets, and, and uh, Larry certainly delivers on that front. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Uh, Larry Broughton on Dose of Leadership. Well, Larry, so thrilled to have you on Dose of Leadership. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Richard. Let's have some fun. Yeah. You know, I was excited. You know, we talked, I don't know, maybe a month and a half, two months ago. Yeah. And I was like, man, this. we kind of found out we had some similar backgrounds and stories. I mean, you were a Green Beret, right? So bring my listeners yeah. up to speed. You got kind of a fascinating story. How did you get to the point where you're at right now? Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where I remember there's an article written about me years ago, and it said that uh, I happened to have been in the right place until the right time came around. Uh, right, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's called dumb luck <laughs> right. or tenacity. Right. But, uh, you know, I grew up in uh, rural New York, kind of cow country, New York, south of Buffalo, and uh, kind of this bucolic setting. And But I knew there was something bigger out there. I had a big interest in martial arts and my twin brother and I came out to a martial arts tournament in California in the early eighties. And it really opened my eyes to, you know, possibilities, what could be. And, uh, which through kind of a circuitous route, I ended up uh, going down and enlisting in the military or the, in the army and did well on the ASVAB, the entrance exam to get into the, to the military where they test your IQ and aptitude. And um, I ended up trying out for special forces and making it and doing really well there. And while I was traveling around the world in uh, on special forces A teams, I really started getting an interest in politics and public service and, and, and that kind of thing. And so I thought, well, gosh, maybe I can do a bigger, have a bigger impact in the world by getting into the State Department or working in the political arena or something. So I decided to get out and I wanted to go to school. So I and, and wanted to get back to California. So I started going to school, uh, moved to San Francisco. And my first job out of the military was as a night auditor oh, wow. at a little no-tell motel in San Francisco. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I went in at 11 o'clock at night and got off at 7 o'clock in the morning uh, just doing the books while I was going to college during the day. And uh, then an investment group came in and bought that hotel. And through just a sequence of events of just showing up like it mattered and striving for excellence, um, we can talk more about it later, but it was just I became a partner in that hotel company wow. and uh, and grew uh, grew that company. And so I was there for about 14 years, then uh, moved down to Southern California to do it on my own. And so I've been doing that for about 14 years now. That's great. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's funny when you look back at kind of uh, 
the path that you've taken, it kind of comes mm-hmm. clear. Obviously, when you're in it and you're hitting all the switchbacks and the returns and everything else, you're like, where am I going? What am I doing? And of course, when you have that kind of perspective and you look back, but it is kind of amazing. And I'm wondering, like when you decided mm-hmm. your interest in martial arts kind of led to the idea to uh, enlist in the military, right? And then just one event yeah. kind of leads to another. And isn't it kind of amazing to me, like those one little – I always find them that the, those decisions that I made were kind of made – almost instantaneously and by the gut. Did that happen to you? You know, you kind of look back and you play back those milestones, yep. right? Yeah, it, that's exactly, that's absolutely how it, my life has happened. Um, and I did a life plan with uh, one of my coaches years ago and I had this crystal clear awakening on that because, you know, Richard, I see people all the time where they develop a plan and they make their goals and then they end up driving that plan right off the cliff, right? you know, because they've committed to those goals so much, but they don't, you know, because we've been seduced by this idea, never, never, never quit. Right. Okay, I, I get that. But how about sometimes just saying enough is enough? Right. Because when, when you're willing to say enough is enough you, and you're willing to lift your head up and actually survey the battlefield, <laughs> you know, survey the landscape, you can see when other opportunities become available. Yeah, that's right? what I was going to say. It's like how many, when you when you nose the grindstone thinking you've got to work the plan, what you're doing is you're you're kind of sacrificing the outcome and the outcome. There's could be so many doors right. and opportunities that hit your way, and if you if you're not open to them, man, you miss out because yeah. And, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I think that's the great thing when you when you use the term switchback because isn't that the great thing about a switchback? You're still moving towards your goal, right. but it forces you to look back. You know, look yeah. over your shoulder a little right. bit and get a second chance at an opportunity that you might have missed. The first time around. And so I'm always doing that. You know, I'm always just looking around saying, okay, I know this This is what I want to do, but is there something bigger and better out there for me? So it's the same thing like when I'm leading a team, right? Um, I'm the leader, but I don't micromanage the, the process. Right. What I want to do is set what the standards are for the results. And so here's what I always say. Here's the desired result or better. Wouldn't that be great? Because if you just say, hey, team, get me these results, that's what they're gonna. That's what they're gonna attain, or that's yes. what they're gonna strive for. But if you say, "I want these results or better," yeah, and then you live your life the same way, I want this or better, then you're willing to, you know, look at other opportunities that might come along. If I would have said, "All right, I'm getting out of the military. I'm going to go work for the State Department." I mean, I know now, 30 years later, me working in the State Department or me being a member of Congress would be an absolute grind. Right. I am not built that way. Right. You know, but I didn't know that 30 years ago. No, but at least having that idea of like, okay, well, maybe I'd like to try this for a while. That led to a path of discovery that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Yeah. And you yeah. just got to be yeah. open to, no, I love that. Because, you know, I, who was I, t- I was talking to somebody the other day about this and that it's um, almost everybody that I've talked to that have reached some sort of significance in their life and they look back on it, almost invariably somebody, they always say, I never thought I would be doing this when I look back mm-hmm. at it, you know? And it's yeah. true, right? You got to be open to those those possibilities. Yeah, it makes it very exciting when you're willing to do that. Yeah. But you know, you use the key, the word, one of my favorite words in the world is significance, yeah. right? Because so many of us chase success, but what? Excuse me, just for emphasis, what the hell does that mean? Well, exactly. Success, right? Well, we think so I think that if you yeah. pursue significance and just doing excellent things, striving for greatness in everything you do, serving your community, your team members, your family with significance, then guess what? Success is the byproduct right. of living a life of significance. So I'm, I would just encourage your listeners: stop pursuing success. 
Yeah. Go after significance. Make an impact on the world. Make an impact in uh, the lives of those people that are in your sphere of influence. And success will just happen naturally. I love that you said that. That's so refreshing because it's so true. Because I think a lot of times I know people, and I'm sure you've had um, with some of the clients that you've coached. And there's been some like aha moments where it's kind of revealed to them. that It's not about a checklist of like you said towards success. It's like the moment, two things I think. It, it, things can really transform people's lives if they stop number one worrying about being wrong and the second thing is if they just focus on adding value whatever it is to people to organizations to community and just constantly do that every single day the significance will and so the success as you put it would be the byproduct of that significance no i think that's great yeah yeah and I, I love where you just said you know stop worrying about being wrong you know there's so many people that are now starting to talk about this i've been talking about you know failure mm-hmm. uh you know, for for years, and it seems like there's a kind of a tipping point where people are willing now to understand that if I want to live a life of significance, if I want to live a life of success, then you know what's going to get us there? A whole lot of stepping stones of failures mm-hmm. and mistakes along the way. And if we would just admit once in a while that we are wrong, that we made a mistake, the learning opportunities um, uh, kind of they're just more learning opportunities. You know, in the military, you know this, you know, we do AARs, right? After action reviews, yeah. after every mission, after every training exercise, we say, what do we do right? What's the next step? What do we do wrong? Right. And how can we improve right. the next time? And if we would just live our lives that way as leaders, what do we do right? What do we do wrong? And how can we improve? That becomes attractive. And by the way, during that whole process, there's no placing of blame. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Absolutely- it's just, hey, we're just learning along the way. We're in this together. And so that way, you're a little bit more willing to admit when you actually do something wrong, right? Yeah. I, you know, I, people ask me a lot of times some of the biggest takeaways I got from the military. And I think it's funny because people have these perceptions that, you know, the military is all about these kind of linear plans with orders coming down <laughs> from on high and, you know, and you, follow, you blindly follow those orders. But it's the exact opposite. And I, I think yeah. the biggest one of the assets from, you know, and from flying airplanes is the same thing. The biggest, most beneficial part of the flight was the debrief because it was a room where all the gloves were off and everybody just kind of laid everything on the table, what we did right, what we did wrong. And it was what we did wrong piece that was so valuable. And it wasn't like, oh, I sucked at this and I sucked at that. Mm-hmm. It was like, yeah, I could have done that better. And this is why I think, you know what I mean? It was just such a refreshing kind of takeaway. You know what I mean? It just yeah, took all yeah. the gloves off. Yeah. Well, this whole thing about making mistakes, I mean, I was speaking from the stage, I don't know about it, I don't know, almost two years ago now. And I talked about this whole failure thing and, and sitting down and doing debriefs afterwards and really admitting that when you've uh, made a mistake. And I remember there was a woman sitting kind of in the second row back with her arms crossed and shaking her head. And it was so distracting for me. And I don't usually do this like during a talk. Right. I actually stopped the talk and said, I didn't say it like this, but basically like, what's up with you? Like, why <laughs> right. can't you get this simple con- concept? <laughs> right. And she said, failure is not an option. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, man, you have been brainwashed, Dave. Yeah. I'm sorry, but this, this is so wrong. Failure is like the only option. Exactly. That right. is how you will learn more from your failures and your mistakes than you do from your victory and your successes. But we have to make mistakes. We have to admit that we make mistakes. And, you know, Because the truth is the person who never made a mistake never made anything. That's right. It's so true. <laughs> right? Because you just live in this little bubble right. of t- not taking any kind of risk, not doing anything. You know, and that's that's that is absolutely no fun at all. I've seen that, and I, and I work in a flight test center 
now. And I've, I've had arguments with people about that and said, we just, you know, failure, that gets thrown around a lot, right? You know, I guess from Apollo 13, I guess, you know, failure is not an option and this and that. Well, it's, it's not so much that you know, we're allowed to make mistakes. They just can't be fatal mistakes. I mean, when yes. I fly a plane, I make mistake, you know, 6,500 flight hours. I've yet to have a perfect, execute a perfect flight plan. You know, I make mistakes constantly, but the, the thing that, and this is what drives me crazy in the corporate arena is people, when the inevitable unforeseen crops up and they're like, oh, we got to, you know, more detail in the plan or rework the plan. And I hate mm. that term when a plan comes together. To me, it's about working outcomes, right? Because it's, and I kind of dumb it down to a flight plan. I've never had a perfect flight plan. You know, and if, if my gauge of success was, did I hit every waypoint at the right time and with the fuel that's on my flight plan, then I'm totally missing the boat. The, the outcome is getting your warm pink body to be warm and pink when it gets there, right? So <laughs> That's a great way to put it. You know, what I want people to take away, though, is that mistakes are good. And yeah. if you're a leader, the problem is not, you know, that you're allowing your team to make mistakes. But what do you do if they start making the same mistake over and over Perfect. again? Yeah. Then we need to look and see, do we have a process problem? Do we have a system problem? Or is it a people problem? You know, because that's ultimately at the end of the day. You know, our job as leaders is to be problem solvers, right? And if we're a problem solver, usually we're dealing with people problems, process problems, profit problems, or product problems, right? And so we need to figure out how do we make sure that we're not creating those same mistakes over and over again. And when we do, that we actually learn from those mistakes. So I would say, you know, as a pilot, if you're making that same mistake over and over again, you know, we got to go back and kind of analyze, all right, what's going on here? What's the common denominator that this mistake keeps being made? And then address that. That's a great point. Absolutely yeah. right. You know, so much of leadership is the people business. I was yeah. this morning and God, I got to admit, I mean, you got to be in love with the act of being a leader. That's why it's so challenging. And a lot of people like the idea or want to fall in love with the idea of being a leader, but the muddiness and the grittiness of actually being one because of those people problems. I can, I, sometimes I get up and I do have an, I hate people t-shirt on. I got to admit that, you know, it's <laughs> difficult, you know, how do you, how do you fall in love with the act of leading? Do you think? Well, you had kind of touched on it earlier. What I fall in love with is the outcome and the idea of what could be. You know, I tend to be, you know, people say, are you, you know, you do all this keynote speaking. Are you a motivational speaker? And I say, no, I'm not. Are you an inspirational speaker? That's kind of the new new twist. You know, are you an inspirational speaker? And I say, "Mm, not really. What I really am is an aspirational leader, an aspirational speaker. I want people to recognize how things could be. Wouldn't it be great if we all moved closer to our potential. You know, wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, when you think about all the empty or all the graveyards around the world (laughs) that's just filled with unmet potential, holy crap, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't want my life to be to be like that. I don't want the people on my team to feel like, you know, I just do okay. You know, so as leaders, you know, they've done studies. People don't quit their jobs, Richard, right? I mean, they quit their bosses. They quit their leaders. Right. And most people quit their teams that they're on because lack of development, lack of professional development. So what I fall in love with as a leader is what's the, what could the outcome be and can I help my team members become better versions of themselves? Because we want to be around people who make us feel good about ourselves, right? Right. And so I think if we can do that as leaders, then uh, we can create greatness uh, out there. But okay. you're right. It is it is a hard it's a hard job to be a leader sometimes because, you know, you're the first ones. If you're leading from the front, you're the first ones to take the, the slings and arrows, right? right? Um, and I look at it, it's my job to protect my team, you know? 
I love that. It's a, it's a great way to frame it, you know, because to say, well, what are the outcome? What are we trying to achieve? And the aspiration. I love that too. Uh, yeah, I hate mm. that kind of term motivational speaker and like, <laughs> you're actually right, but it's, it, um, yeah, focus on the outcomes and what it can be. Because well, I, and I think it's, I'm sorry. I think as leaders, sometimes, you know, on this motivation thing, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of managers who uh, mistake that they I got to motivate my team. Yeah. Well, I remember um, I used to have to work on farms from time to time when I, when I was growing up and my brother worked on a farm a lot. And I remember uh, a guy named Brock Miller had a farm and he said he's got to go out and motivate those cows. <laughs> what he was talking about is he had a cattle prod and he would take it out there and he'd zap those cattle in the rear end to get them to move towards, you know, wherever you want them to go. Right. right. But what happened? when you stop zapping them in the rear end with that cattle prod or they stop moving, <laughs> right. right? That's motivation. Yeah. Inspiration and aspiration is like a vacuum where it just sucks, you know, it's, it sucks them along um, instead of having to be constantly in the back micromanaging yeah. uh, your team to go a certain way. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. You're absolutely right. Get pulled along instead of trying to prod somebody along. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah. So true. So what's the mm-hmm. dream for you now? I mean, I, and I'm always interested in that because here you are, mm-hmm. you've had some, a modicum of success, a great deal of success, to be quite honest. And what's the dream now for you? Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. You know, I think um, I've got a bunch of a bunch of dreams. I have really leaned into this whole uh, leadership thing in the last few years because, um, you know, I used to go out and I still do, you know, do a lot of coaching on entrepreneurship, a lot of writing on that with masterminds and entrepreneurship and all that kind of stuff. But as I was have been reading and studying and writing and speaking on entrepreneurship, what I started realizing is that we don't have an entrepreneurship problem in this country. Mm-mm. Because we're creating entrepreneurs all the time. What we have in this country is a leadership problem. Yeah. We have a leadership gap. Yeah. We have a courage gap uh, in this country. And so when I, what my dream is to kind of uh, create new market leaders who understand the importance of this relationship economy that we're in. You know, you'd mentioned earlier about um, that there is this uh, misperception that if you're in the military, then it's all command and control, that everything rolls down, you know, from the Pentagon. And, you know, that private is just following the order that the corporal gave him, that's following the order that the sergeant gave him, you know, that kind of thing. And that's not what it is. Mm -hmm. Right. It really is um, this kind of. uh, uh, Creative, collaborative effort. Yes, there is absolutely a mission that is set out there. You know, um, and that we all have to, uh, at times, subordinate our own agenda for the agenda, the bigger mission, right? Right. Well, I guess what I want to do, my dream is to create leaders who understand the power of leading that way instead of leading from fear and personal agendas and, um, um, uh, I don't know, being a manager and pretending that they're a leader. Right. That drives me nuts. Yeah, absolutely. You know, oh some God. people just want the title of leader, yep. um, but they're not willing to do the hard work that it That's takes right. uh, to be the leader. So my dream is that, and whether it's through my hotel company, um, doing great things and uh, attracting the black sheep from other organizations that might not fit right. um, and helping them reach their potential, or through writing and speaking. I just want, my dream is to start a leadership revolution in this country and go back and capture some of that courage that it seems like we've lost in the last, uh, I don't know, I'm afraid to put it, at least seems like the last couple of decades. No, I love, anyway. love, love what you said. I mean, that's the whole reason why I started this podcast. Exactly right. It's, it's, it's almost like, and I love what you said there. It's kind of, um, 
And I just had lunch with this um, woman that has a uh, entrepreneurship kind of um, oh, academy and investment firm here locally in mm-hmm. town. And we were talking about here just in locally in Wichita how challenging it is to find and what you hit on was was what we were talking about. He says we don't have a problem with entrepreneurship. That's what she almost said those exact words. She, mm. she didn't say it quite like you did, but I said, yeah. I said the thing. And um, Jill Rotenberg, who I had on the show, she talks about that in her book "Crazy is a Compliment" and how it was all entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship, and you know. And she created this kind of global organization called Endeavor to educate people about entrepreneurship. And she said it. She was you know, finally knee deep into it, waist high into it, realizing, oh my God, I've got to be a leader in this thing. And that's something that is kind of, I don't know, I guess every entrepreneur kind of goes through that, but I'm with you. I think you're absolutely right to kind of break free from this uh, kind of bathing in mediocrity. We celebrate mediocrity everywhere we go, right? And it's like, what what happened to the, there's no warriors anymore, it seems like, you know, and I'm not meaning with battle axes and blood on it, but this kind of that calm, confident presence that's always ready to kind of that calming force within the chaos. Right. I don't know. I, I agree with you. And I don't know when it all started, but I do think, you know, some of us make fun of, uh, you know, some of these youth sports leagues nowadays where everybody yeah. gets a trophy. Right. right. Um, you know, when I was growing up now I'm 52, that didn't happen. Mm-mm. You know, you knew who the clear winners were and you knew the people who didn't take first, second and third. Right. right? And so I think that what that does is, with the proper coaching and mentoring, let's say that you took fourth or fifth, you don't get beat up for that. Hopefully with the right coach or mentor, they say, do you really want that? Do you really want it to take first, second or third? Then here's what it's going to take for you to get there. But when everybody is a winner, then I think we know, even if it's subconsciously, we look around and we say, you know, we're all really just mediocre. <laughs> right. You know, and that's really not not any good. A good friend of mine, Brian Goodell, uh, was in the 1976 Olympics, and he's got an amazing story. And I would encourage people just to go to YouTube and, you know, look at a couple of his races um, from the 1976 Olympics. Um, But, you know, he didn't really start swimming seriously until he was 14 years old. And, you know, he I think he was 17 when he was at the Olympics. That's crazy. you know, but he, he went to his coach and said, I want to be in the Olympics. I want to be the next Mark Spitz. And he said, really, do you really want to do that? Well, here's what it's going to take. And you're going to have to bust your hump and you have to listen to what I say. Right. right. So he knew he was going to have to work harder than everybody else, not just show up and get a trophy like everybody else. You know, so I think that there's healthy competition, there's collaborative competition, and there's that unhealthy stuff, right? That just grinds people down and makes them feel like garbage. Well, that's no good. Nobody wants to be like that. But we, the, you know, the pendulum swings, right? And it seems like for too many, too long, it was over there where, you know, mediocrity is good enough. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. The company mm-hmm. I was working at with this morning, they talked about that. She felt, and she's probably, I think she's 55. She said she's worried about that, about some of the millennials that have come in, and I hate labeling generations but let's just for the yeah. sake of argument that she says she finds it difficult that they don't deal with the failure or the kind of the the frankness of of that's not good enough and um that they don't take it very well and she kind of attributed to kind of a coddling however i will say this and from this show a lot of the millennial entrepreneurs that i've come across and met and have become friends with who are doing um, I'm very impressed with the idea that I think was different from the eighties when I was really looking at entrepreneurship, where it was a little more individual focused, at least the people who kind of get it now, the entrepreneurs are kind of knocking it out of the park. And I think making a big dent in the universe, the, the thing I admire about them that I didn't have when I was at 
old or that age was this idea of wanting to be part of something bigger than themselves, which yeah. I think is a great asset. And um, if you can harness that with the, what you just talked about, this kind of courage and in, in getting that, that's really going to change the world. I don't know. That's the ideal side. Of, that's the idealist in me anyway. Well, I think, I think you gotta, you gotta be an idealist sometimes, yeah. you know, but you also have to be a realist as well. You know, reality is your friend. Um, yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, but I, what I, I love a lot of these millennial entrepreneurs. I think that, um, um, well, obviously, they're going to be ruling the world one day as we uh, baby boomers and, you know, tail end baby boomers kind of die off. Um, but what I love is that a lot of these folks are looking to do social good. Yes. You know, which I think is absolutely awesome. And they're living their business or their mission, I guess, if I'm better with it, but they're living their mission through their businesses. Yes. That, yeah. that they're running. You know, my dad, the things that really drove him and his generation, he has since passed away, but, you know, he was a World War II guy, right? What was important to him were things like status and affiliation and security and, compens- and compensation, right? Yeah. But the millennials and people like us, that I think they're a little bit more evolved, you know, um, the aesthetics aren't that important. Really, what we're looking for is freedom and sense of achievement and ethical harmony and sense of mission and intellectual stimulation. I think that's powerful stuff because yes. we know that, you know, life gets hard sometimes yeah. or oftentimes or maybe all the time for some yeah. people. And if we don't have this sense of mission or we're not feeling intellectually stimulated um, or ethical harmony, then it's that much harder. You know, because I listen, I have been poor. I've been rich. I've been in between. Um, and even when you've got money, if you're not feeling uh, a sense of achievement or ethical harmony, it sucks. Yeah. And I, you know, and I've been on the other side where I've got nothing, but I have felt this sense of ethical harmony and I've felt intellectually stimulated. And that's what has kept me um, driving on towards uh, something that's bigger and better uh, for me and for the people that are in my charge. Well, I think that's why it's so important, right? The, the purpose and the mission or the, the why, whatever you want to call it. But I think it's that self-awareness, which is so key. I think that's something that I totally missed the boat on for the better part of my life is how, you know, being completely and a hundred percent authentically self-aware of who you are and, and being able to look in the mirror and say, this is who I am right now. Like it, love it, change it, whatever. And uh, for so long, I think I was just wearing masks and trying to, fake it till I make it. And again, I got to be careful about um, that because I don't want people to, when they they authentically see there are, I see some people just kind of glom onto their weaknesses and never focus on their strengths. I really want people focusing on their strengths. What is your take on that? Well, so much in that. Holy smokes. And we could talk for five hours just on that last statement you just you just made. So let me start with the last thing about uh, glomming onto weaknesses instead of their, their strengths. As an effective leader, I mean, as a world-changing, transformational leader, you have to focus on your strengths. Yeah. And you got to make sure that your team members are focusing on their strengths. This is why a Special Forces A-team can, you know, 12 guys, you know, can go out and do amazing things, you know, for force multipliers, right? It's because people are working in their strengths. And this is why, you know, 70% of the American workforce is either disengaged or actively disengaged because studies have shown they're spending less than 20% of their day working in their strengths. They're working outside their strengths and that's why it feels like it's a grind, right? right. And so absolutely, I would encourage people, to, yes, you have to know what your strengths are, but don't focus on them. Make your, I mean, sorry, your weaknesses. You need to know what your weaknesses are, but focus on your strengths. Make your strengths better. And then as you build your team, bring in people whose strengths augment your weaknesses. So imagine if you're leading a team where your entire team is working in their strengths. Sparks fly 
when that happens. There's greatness that happens, you know, when that happens. But I get that there are times in our lives where we're where we have to wear a mask. And like you, you know, it wasn't really until 15 years ago that I started on this journey, but it really wasn't until four and a half or five years ago where I finally said enough is enough. I'm taking this mask off and either people are going to love me for who I am or they're not. And this is called authenticity and transparency, right? And what I find is that, you know, most of us live behind this mask because we're afraid of being accepted, you know? Um, And so that's what I want. I encourage people not to do the fake it till you make it either. And I get what that means. But the problem is when we live in this fake it till you make it thing is that we don't know when to stop faking it. Right. We think that what got us here, um, if people really knew what got me here, they're not going to accept me. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, but the self-awareness goes back to the word that I used earlier. Cause I talk about the self-awareness as well. It takes courage. Yeah. It takes courage to do that. Man, I love that you shared that because I think it's so important and, and for people to understand, especially, you know, men out there, but it can be for everybody, but it particularly, it's so true. And I see this so often and I know because I come from that place too. And here you are 52 and you say, right. You said you're 52. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so just two and a half years ago, you finally said, and the kind of the same thing happened to me, you know, about six, seven years ago, I, it's the same thing. And it's been a work in process because every now and then I still dip into that every now and then, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's not like yeah. one day it was just there and gone. And you're, it, to me, it's just a constant battle, that resistance to, to draw you back into those old ways. Yeah. I just, and, and I know everybody fights that. So I appreciate yes. that you sh- shared that so openly, honestly, because you're absolutely right. And even when I did that, I felt like I was kind of alone and like, man, I've really screwed up for the past 42 years to, you know, to get to this point. And now I don't know. So it's just refreshing to hear that from another guy from an outside looking in, seeing your success that you still struggle with that as well. So we we all struggle with it. You know, I've been blessed to have uh, interviewed uh, a couple of hundred real like world changing entrepreneurs, leaders, thought leaders uh, uh, out there. And the people who are really doing great things, I mean, like um, for multiple seasons, not just a flash in the pan, they all struggle with this. You know, a, a friend of mine described people like you and me as we tend to be a little bit like uh, egomaniacs with inferiority complexes, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so um, we're going to have that, that kind of negative chatter creep into our heads yeah. once in a while. You know, like you're a fraud or you're not good enough or, you know, whatever it is. But you still, we still have to keep doing great things. We still need to keep putting one dusty boot in front of the other towards uh, our, uh, our mission. I think I've come to the realization that it's just something that you have to deal with on a daily basis. I think for the longest time I was hoping like, well, when does this go away? And like you said, kind of surrounding yourself with people, like you said, it never really does. And so as, as you kind of make the transition from being an amateur to a professional, the professional understands I got to get up every morning and square my shoulders and kind of slay this dragon every day. It doesn't mean you can't, you know, kind of at the end of the evening kind of, take a little happiness in your achievements for the day, but just know the next morning it's going to start all over again. That, yeah. That can, 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 I, can I piggyback on that for a second? Yeah. You know, you talked about starting each morning and I think that's so important, you know, uh, several years ago, in fact, it was four and a half years ago when I started doing this, uh, my uh, friend and one of my mentors, uh, Daryl Fasaro, uh, encouraged me to start doing a morning routine. And that is basically getting up and setting my intentions for the day from a positive perspective, before I check email, before I get on social media. Um, And 
and remind myself of the greatness that's in me and the great things that I want to do. So you've got to be intentional about this stuff. And then at night, what I do before I go to bed is, um, because too often, what do we do? We end up beating ourselves up Mm -hmm. for all the things we didn't do that day. I've still got all this stuff on the to-do list. And you wake up in the middle of the night and you write more things on the to-do list. What I started doing a few years ago is before I go to bed at night is I go through and I do my ta-da list. Ta-da! Like, here are my victories today, no matter how small they were. And I celebrate those, even if it's in my mind for a little bit. That was a great victory today. And then I go through and I just do my little gratitude journal. Either I'm writing the things out or I'm going through in my head. Here are all the things in my life that I'm grateful for. And then what I find is just my perspective on life changes a little bit. And I sleep better at night because that's one of the things I think we forget as leaders and entrepreneurs. We need to get sleep for crying out loud. Sleep is very powerful. You know, a lot of my most creative problem solving happens while I sleep. When I get a good night's sleep, I wake up with answers to some of my most pressing problems. Sleep is powerful. Yeah. You know, I love that you said that. And I think that, you know, being in, God, you said so many great things that I love. The intentionality piece, (laughs) which just. It, it, yeah, you cannot underemphasize the importance of intentionality. And God, I can't remember who I was talking to just the other, about the exact what you said is like kind of that that um, quiet time, whatever you want to call it, before yeah. and at the end of the day, before you check your email, like you said, kind of that. What did I do well? What can I do? Kind of like your debrief session, like we were talking yes. about, right? And um, don't beat yourself up on what you didn't do so well, but celebrate those small victories. It does make a difference. I agree. I started doing that too, and it and um, it makes a huge difference for yeah. sure. Yeah, no doubt. Well, gosh, what? Um, I don't know. So, what's you told me a little bit about your dreams, but um, mm-hmm. so how do you balance the hotel? What what is taking most of your time? The hotel company or the kind of the leadership stuff? Where do you see yourself gravitating towards? Well, left to my own devices, um, all I would do is focus on uh, leadership, speaking, writing, coaching, that kind of stuff. Um, But I love the hotel business. And right now we've got big growth plans for the hotel company. Um, And so I'm spending, uh, you know, probably 60% of my time uh, on the hotel. I'm really trying to grow that. But even the leadership stuff that I do helps the hotel company. Sure. You know, I've got I've got this website called Yougozi, mm-hmm. uh, Y-O-O-G-O-Z-I. And it's really meant to be kind of a, a leadership and uh, development website for high achievers, right? right? And so we use those as training tools for our managers and for our leaders, right? Um, now, you'd mentioned balance. Um, I don't think there's a such thing as balance no, if you're a leader or a high achiever. I mean, balance means all things being equal, right? Right. Um, it's impossible, but what I, right? Yeah, it is impossible. So what I try to do is encourage people to have boundaries, you know, set yeah. boundaries on these different uh, uh, projects uh, that, that, that we have going on. Because I didn't used to have very good boundaries. Um, and in all transparency, it's because of those poor boundaries that I set or lack of setting boundaries. It's why I drove a relationship, a marriage right into the ground and end up in divorce, right? Because I wasn't good at setting boundaries. And so um, I say forget balance um, and seek, you know, understand what your boundaries are and the boundaries of those people that are on your team and uh, significant others that are in your life. Yeah, I love so, you said that. The boundaries, and I, I go towards a priority list, and that's kind of your boundaries, your priority list, they're all kind of tapped in or tied into it goes back to that self-awareness you got to know who you are yeah. and what you stand for right and uh right. Oh, great stuff man i'm always curious about who people who, who your heroes are and if you had kind of as we wrap up here one night you could just have the most kick butt conversation just with 
whoever in the world, alive or dead, who would those five people be? Yeah. Wow, that's a good one because it, it, it constantly changes what's going on sure. in my head. Now, if I could imagine, I do I do these dinner series events uh, at one of our hotels uh, once a month. We have uh, our hotel in uh, Santa Monica called the George and has one of the original speakeasies on the West Coast. Oh, okay. And so, I the whole idea is that you know you get people together just for conversation, right? And I love the story of William Randolph Hearst who had this long table up at Hearst Castle where he would bring in people from you know political arena and sports arena and arts and entertainment, people who had never met before just to have conversations, right? Right. And so when I think of kind of my today, my ultimate list, you know, um, I'd love to have my grandfather who was there. His name is George Washington Cobb. He was a grave digger, you know, but he died when I was young, but he was in World War I and I'd love to just hear his stories. You know, I'd love to have literally George Washington and Abraham Lincoln there um, talk about leadership in different uh, uh, environments. I'd love to have Jesus Christ (laughs) there, you know. I'd love to have some, uh, um, you know, somebody like Richard Branson, of course, would be awesome uh, to have there. Now, what I've learned over the years is that I don't, I can't say that I've got like, I'm not a hero worshiper by by any stretch. What I recognize is that we are all flawed people. And all those people that I just listed, with the exception of Jesus, I suppose, had flaws. You know, right. I can learn something from every person. So that's why, how I try to live my life is if I'm going to be meeting somebody, what's one nugget I can take away from them? Because even somebody as evil and heinous as Hitler, there's stuff that we can learn from that knucklehead, right? right? right. Um, he made the trains run on time. He could absolutely inspire and influence people, right? right. Uh, is the guy, I hope, you know, burning in hell? Absolutely. But I could learn something. Yes, and so that's what I would encourage people to do is don't hold these people on pedestals. Because there was a guy that I interviewed, very public figure, um, that, uh, run in, you know, a couple billion dollar year company, but has a stance on gay rights, for instance, that I don't necessarily agree with. But when I aired an interview that I did with him, uh, on social media, I took a lot of heat from this guy and people started calling me a bigot and, um, and homophobe, which I'm, I'm not, um, but just by the association. So I said to this, listen, what could, we can learn something from this person, right? right? Just because you might not agree with them doesn't mean that you can't learn from them. Right. No, great advice. You're absolutely right. And sometimes you can learn. Sometimes I, feel, I look back, I've learned more from the bad examples of leadership than I did the positive. Yes. So many aspects no doubt. In this no doubt. Uh, it's a great list and great answer. How can people get in touch with you and find more about you? I mean, mm. we talked about you guys. I'll have links to all these, by the way, but where would you like okay. to reach out to? Yeah, I think for your tribe, um, which by the way, I'm just impressed, I want to say that, with uh, the types of interviews that you do and who you're surrounding yourself with. I mean, you're a great example for your listeners, I think. Um, So I think that they probably get a lot about following me over at yougozi.com. It's Y-O-O-G-O-Z-I. And there will be a video up there soon about what that means. It's kind of a variant of a uh, Swahili word called yeah. what we would call transformational leadership. Cool. Um, so com is a good way to uh, uh, track me there. I'm on all the social media sites. Just look for Larry Broughton um, or Broughton Hotels um, if you're looking for a great place to stay in uh, California or Chicago. Larry, I love what you're doing. The Yogozi site is awesome. The bite-sized nuggets, everything that you've talked about, it's clear. Um that we're on the same wavelength and yeah. I, I do consider us to be part of the same tribe when I'm proud, to be, proud to be associated with you. And I just think uh, what you do is great and fantastic. And uh, what a fun conversation. I look forward to 
we, there's so much more we could explore. I'd love to invite <laughs> you to come back. Maybe we can do love like it. a specified topic or something. And <laughs> But I'd love you to have you come back on the show and do this more often. Let's do it. I appreciate what you're doing. Larry, thanks for coming on the show, and uh, we'll talk to you again. My pleasure. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.